Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Well, hello and welcome back to Ayers on the Road. We uh, always love to be with you wherever you are. Um, in whatever situation, whatever time of day, podcasts are amazing. You never know when where people are going to be when they listen, but thanks for joining. And we're glad to resume our little mini-series on what we call the happiness paradox. Paradox meaning that the very things we thought would bring us joy actually steal it away from us, and those three dastardly things are control, ownership, and independence. We're all seeking those three things. We call them C-O-N-I, control, ownership, and independence. And they're all things that we believe rob us of happiness rather than give us happiness, which is what we all think they'll do and why we're pursuing them. And we've already been through the first two. We've already tried to convert you from the idea of control to the idea of serendipity and from the idea of ownership to the idea of stewardship. And now we're on to the third one. We are. But before we go on, I have to um, mention that control, we really do have no control. We have realized that this (laughs) week with our home. We realize it every week. We have a home up at Park City, Utah, that's been sitting there all winter absolutely buried it's buried it looks like it's been bombed it's absolutely crazy all the rain gutters down there slayed off the roof from guys shoveling snow uh we don't know where you live but we've had the craziest winter of all time and i've just been thinking we have no control over well what happened the, the weather is a perfect example but with of how little we control anything and and farmers work by serendipity because they they do what the the day dictates to them and the weather is a big part of that and you know so if you if you missed out on the idea of converting from the whole idea of control to the to the much more enlightened and spiritual idea of spiritual serendipity you can go back and listen to that earlier podcast and if you happen to miss the one on converting from ownership to stewardship we highly recommend it but today we want to talk about this idea of independence which has become such an ingrained part of what we all think we want and yet when we really become clear and when we really focus on the obvious we know that in a way this is the biggest of all three of those deceivers because we're we're not independent at all we're totally interdependent as human beings and we believe that we're completely dependent on god so the idea of thinking we are independent gets in our way and stops us from a lot of things that we shouldn't be thinking And we want to read you a little bit about how we think we got caught up as a society with this whole notion of independence. Now, we'll make some concessions. I mean, we want to be independent in terms of trying to take care of ourselves and not being a a person that needs a a lot of uh, assistance and physical things and so on. We want to look for some elementary kind of independence. But when it becomes 
this idea that we don't need other people or that we are the ones who can do everything for ourselves, it really robs us not only of humility, but of the friendships and the love that can come from interdependence. You know, I just have to interject a little, to interject a little story here because um, we did a an activity last night at the church with a bunch of women who were doing a lot of wild stuff with air fryers and knitting and and service projects, and we thought we were totally independent until. We blew out all the plugs with all the, it was all those air, air fryers. <laughs> and then we just, oh my gosh, what do we do now? So we got some men to come in and help us. But guess what? They couldn't do anything either because nobody had a key to the room where the switches were. So I think, you know, we we think we are independent, but we really are interdependent on almost everything. Let's explore this idea a little further. How can one speak or write against independence in a land founded on it and emancipated by a document called the Declaration of Independence? Of course, independence is a desirable political condition. And of course, personal independence is an asset in the sense of thinking for oneself and taking care of oneself. But like the other deceivers, it gets dangerous and damaging when it's carried too far especially when it's carried into our spiritual lives and our relationships. We've become a world that worships independence and equates strength with not needing other people. It's easy to forget in this mode how independent we all are. How interdependent we all are. How interdependent we all are and how it is our collective intelligence that has allowed us to progress as so far as humans. So the whole idea of interdependence, when it, of, of independence, when it gets in the way of understanding that we're so limited by ourselves and so unlimited when we work well with others, that's the thing we're concerned about. And we're going to go through this and progress right into the idea of why it's a why it's a non spiritual concept and works against us spiritually to think of ourselves as independent. But listen to some interesting um, research that's been done here. Uh, As Matt Ridley states at the beginning of his book, The Rational Optimist, at some point, human intelligence became collective and cumulative, cumulative in a way that happened to no other animal. He explains that he has on his desk two similar-sized man-made objects. One is a Stone Age hand axe, and the other is a computer mouse. Whoa. Imagine those (laughs) on his desk. They're similar size. One is uh, an axe made by a Stone Age person, and the other, very similar shape, is a computer mouse that directs the movements on the screen of a computer. So just to to repeat that, one was made by one thing. Wait a minute, one person. The other by thousands of different people, each specialized in one thing, but working in tandem to create and produce technology. This collective intelligence and interdependence is what allows the vast progress that independence could never generate. Isn't that an interesting thought that that of all the animals, if you want to think of the world that way, the the one thing that may differentiate humans from just an observational standpoint is that we have learned to combine our intelligence. 
to work collectively, to be interdependent, to produce something like technology or a computer mouse and compare that to an, a Stone Age axe that one person made uh, by working yeah. alone. So, so clearly, we need to try to understand that that's what makes us different. And that's just the, that, that we're not even to the spiritual part, which is by far the most important. So let's try to pursue this a little further by actually changing how we define what success is, because it's the wrong idea of success that leads us to believe that control or ownership, or as we're talking today, independence is what we should be pursuing, when in fact, they're the very things we should be avoiding. Um, I make myself rich by making my wants few. This sentiment has been expressed by Thoreau and many others. So that sounds exactly like Thoreau, doesn't it? It contains a deep truth that takes many of us a long time to recognize. The truth is that if we want to write things, we will find that we already have them and that they are all we need. So if we want, it's all about what we want. If, if we can, as Thoreau is saying, if we can refine what it is so that we want the right things, we'll find we already have them and that they are all we need. This is this is what we're moving toward. Really? Really? We, we already have love. We already have the blue sky. We already have nature. That is the oldest adage in the world that the best things in life are free, right? And if we begin to try to seek things that are unnatural, like independence, trying to remove ourselves from needing other people, we begin to lose the happiness that's actually given to us as a free gift. So you're not talking about wanting a new car. I mean, as far as... Well, that gets back into the ownership and stewardship. Right, problem. right. But we're talking now about this business of wanting to be independent and not to need other people. Ah, yeah. So carry on with that a little bit. Essentially, there are two ways to pursue happiness in this world. One is to adopt the measurements of the society around us and exhaust ourselves com competing with everyone else to own more, to control more, to need more, more. To need others less. Oh, to need others less. These measures of success that we so often judge and are judged by seem to be held up in front of us everywhere we look as the standard that will make us happy, as the things that everyone should want and want and want. An alternative way to pursue happiness is to change the definition of what success is. If we consciously reject the measurements of control, ownership, and interdependence, and independence, and independence that's the bad measure, measurement, by reminding ourselves that while we may be useful economic they may be useful economic uh, concepts they're spiritual deceptions and if we redefine success as the receiving of blessings guidance and the gifts of relationships we will realize that we really have all that we need to be happy so i just i just want to really underscore that honey i think it's something that we've been working on for a long long time but the idea that Embracing our interdependence leads us to seeking an alternative 
passion, an alternative pursuit that has nothing to do with independence, but has to do with acknowledging our need for other people, being vulnerable, uh, acknowledging our smallness, our insignificance, our humility, and acknowledging how much we need God. It's almost like turning everything on its heel, like we hear so much about positive mental attitude and getting up in the morning and looking in the mirror and say, every day in every way I'm getting better and better. I can do everything. I have a positive can-do attitude. It's almost like that's so deceptive that what we need to do is turn it in a spiritual direction and say, actually, I have a, a positive can't-do attitude. I really can't do much of anything by myself. But if I work well with other people, if I'm humble enough to seek the Spirit and to seek divine guidance, then I can do things. And I won't take credit for them. I will think of them as blessings that come to me. Well, I think that you, in your younger years, way younger years, were thinking, for example, when um, this really is going to date you, <laughs> uh -oh. when you were George Romney's national student um, chairman for his election for president. Boy, that was a long time ago. But I have a feeling that you just thought, I can do this. I can do this and just go out and do it. You know, it doesn't matter what gets in my way. I'm going to do this. I can do this. I think you had a totally different mindset. Than well, you and do I now. think I, I think I stepped on other people. I think I just. Oh, thought, you wouldn't do that. Well, I just, you know, <laughs> I think we're all trying to grow out of this and become something better. Um, let me read you a little poem. I only acknowledge that science, I only acknowledge what science can prove, said an acquaintance of mine, proud of his commitment to logic and reason. I believe what I can understand. Well, do you understand love? I asked, or intuition? Do you understand beauty? Can a worm explain a thunderstorm? Can't we leave room in our tiny brains for the possibility of magic and for the faith that there is more than this narrow little dimension of what humans grasp? Are not the things that defy logic more interesting than the things that follow it? Are not the questions more intriguing than the answers? How can two plus two equal five or eight? We name that magic. We call it synergy. How can a butterfly flapping its wings in Argentina affect the weather in New York City? We name that interconnected magic synergicity. The most exciting things are the ones we can name but can't understand. And sometimes... They can even be combined. So when we were trying to write this book about the alternatives to these deceivers, you know, we had these two 11-letter S-words. Serendipity is the alternative to control. Stewardship is the alternative or the antidote to ownership. So we had these two beautiful 11-letter words, and we were trying to come up with a third 11-letter S-word that starts with S that's an antidote 
or the solution or the alternative to the false and negative idea and counterproductive idea of independence. And so we ended up combining two words, and we're going to take a break and talk about these two words in the second half. But one word was synergy, meaning we all work together rather than independently, and we get a better result. Two plus two can equal more than four. And synchronicity, an interesting word that talks about how everything is interconnected. So we put them together and formed a word called synergicity, a combination of synergy and synchronicity. And that's what we'll talk about after we take this brief break. So hang on, because I want you to tell me, and as soon as we come back, get excited, how a butterfly flapping its wings in Argentina can affect the weather in New York City. Okay. Okay, we'll be right back. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. So how can a butterfly <laughs> flapping its wings in Argentina affect the weather in New York City? What well, do you mean? Well, that, that, that was sort of an extreme example. I think that was that was from Carl Jung, the, the, the interesting analyst who, who was trying to convince us all that everything's connected, no matter... What you do, it affects everyone else. And he, I think there, you know, there's the whole idea of ecology and how, you know, if China is polluting the air, it affects you in Utah or whatever. Right, right. And he went so far as to say, you know, we don't understand it all, but even even the flapping of a butterfly wing that has some tiny effect on everyone else. We're all completely interconnected. And so it's a it's a it's a really interesting word that uh, that he I think he's the originator of the word. I'll have to check that. But synchronicity, everything's synchronized. Everything's in sync in the natural world. And we come along as humans and try to mess it up because we don't understand it. Yeah. And so we love that interconnectedness, but we also love the idea of synergy and we've talked about that for so long haven't we the idea yeah. whenever we get a chance to give a speech or a lecture on marriage i mean you know it's funny synergies become kind of a business term people say oh i want synergy in my company i want everyone to work together i want the total to be greater than the sum of its parts we all work right. together and so on but the best application for it is in a marriage and synergicity uh, talks about action. I mean, it's an action word. It's an energy word. Right. And um, so it's not just combining things and making it nice. It actually has some energy to it. So think about this for a minute. The deceptive lens of independence is always focused on self, trying to make things happen when and how you want them to, depending only on yourself and not needing to wait for a reply on or even trust other people. Synergisty is exactly the opposite. It's all about others. It's about helping and being helped. It's about trusting and depending on those around us and on a higher guidance and looking for spiritual connections and timing in all things. So that you get the idea of this two-part thing, synergy of cooperation and interdependence and then synchronicity of everything being connected. The two are direct opposites 
a person seeking for independence is preoccupied with his own ability, while one seeking synergicity, looking for synergicity, this new concept, this 11-letter S word, this alternative paradigm, synergicity, one who's seeking that is aware first of his own vulnerability. Independence flows toward pride and overconfidence, while synergicity is awed and humbled and in wonder at the greatness of things beyond ourselves. Independence demands self-reliance. And that's good in some ways, as we've acknowledged, but when it gets into the spiritual realm, there is no self-reliance. We're, we're reliant on others. Synergicity acknowledges how completely we rely on Mother Earth for everything, for our very breath. An independent seeker gravitates to win-lose mindsets. If I win, you lose. If you lose, if you win, I lose and tends to explain things in terms of opportunity, ability, good fortune, or the simple luck of being in the right place at the right time. Synergicity seekers, on the other hand, look for win-win and sense that there are more connections and more divine design in this world than we can ever imagine. Independence relies on a personal recipe of work and plan and strategy and those are good things, again, to a degree, but synergicity depends additionally on a formula that the Bible gives us. Watch and pray. Be aware. Understand that things are beyond you, that we need God's help for these things. Um, one of my favorite people who ever lived on earth, Mother Teresa, taught us of the folly of independence and the joy of synergicity when she said this. If we have no peace, it is because we have forgotten that we belong to each other. Spread love everywhere you go. Let no one ever come to you without leaving happier. Isn't that great? <laughs> I love that woman. Oh, she's amazing. Well, you should love her because you are a lot like her, Linda. I don't oh, yeah, right. There she, no, Linda is always thinking of how the other person feels. Uh -huh. and, and it's not an independent. You, you have a natural gift. Or synergy because you want to include people and you want people to work together. That's what you were doing last night. You were bringing a bunch of women together and helping them understand that they could all work with other people. Here's well, a, I thank you, but I get it from my mother. Well, that's true. Your mother was that way. A woman named Barbara Dillingham is not nearly as well known as Mother Teresa, but she she sort of described the other side of this word. Uh, that we're creating this synergicity. She said, life is not a path of coincidence, happenstance, and luck. Rather, it's an unexplainable, meticulously charted and choreographed course for one to touch the lives of others and make a difference in the world. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that's really so th beautiful. So this concept, this opposite of independence, this synergicity, it's about finding links with other people and discovering opportunities in the unexpected timing with which things occur in our lives. It's about acknowledging that there's a realm that not only knows what to give us for our best good, but when to give it. 
I love I love a little phrase I'd heard for the first time just a few weeks ago, Linda, that, that I just love this. I think this requires and, and demands so much thought and attention. It goes like this. God always says yes, unless he has something better in mind. <laughs> I do Isn't like that, that often? too. Um, so we deal with disappointments with the hope that something better is going to happen in the future. There's a reason for it. And I th- I do think that's really helpful. So here's the kind of questions to ask yourself if you want to develop an attitude of synergicity. These are questions you ask instead of what we usually ask ourselves, which is, well, why did this happen to me? Well, I don't deserve this. Well, why didn't it work out the way I wanted it? Well, why can't I just do this on my own? Those are the wrong questions. What we should be asking ourselves if we want synergicity are things like this. Why did this happen now? What can I gain from this? And what can I give from this? Those are interesting questions because there is something you can learn from mistakes. From everything. Rather than resent it, say, why did it happen? What can I learn from it? What can I give from it? Why did I come into contact with this person? Isn't that an interesting one? Is 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 that just, oh, it's just nothing. Don't forget about it. Is there some reason why I'm with this person right now? What can I give? What can I gain? Well, or why things happen? I was thinking about a lot of things and trying to find somebody yesterday, and I got in the elevator, and the woman I was trying to find was in the elevator. It was really weird. Yeah. And then yeah. I went to the grocery store, and another woman <laughs> that I needed to ask to do something was walking along there with her cart. And I started thinking, whoa, this is getting kind of creepy. Everything I'm thinking about happens. It really is interesting. And then why am I having this experience? And what good can I take from it or make out of it? It's just such a fascinating thing to try hard to, you know, and here's a here's a phrase I actually hate. But if maybe if we put this spin on it, it's actually not a bad one. We, we used to have this contractor building a house who used to drive me crazy because every time I would object to something or ask him to do something else, he'd say, well, it is what it is. And I'm like, well, that's my whole point. Make it what it isn't. That's what I'm trying to tell you, you know. But But when you put this kind of spin on it, things are what they are. You are where you are. You are having the experience you're having. We don't have a lot of control over a lot of things. And so... Instead of resenting them, and again, this is, shows how all three of these things fit in together. Control, ownership, and independence all work against us, but serendipity, stewardship, and synergicity is more about let's live in the real world. This is where I am. This is what's happening. I don't have a lot of control over it. I don't own it. I'm a steward over these opportunities, and there is some synergy here. I can maybe get to know a new person. I can maybe share something. I can acknowledge that we're all connected. I can be humble. I can try to see the world as God sees it, not as I try to see it. You know, that happened last night when all of those air fryers blew. (laughs) (laughs) And they ran into the kitchen and, and plugged them all in the plugs in there and they started working again. But what happened was so interesting because you think, oh, this is the end. Oh my gosh, what do we do now? Because the food was cooking, but there were other things going on. But what happened was people started talking to each other. 
they started interacting, learning people's names, learning a little bit of what, and that was the whole idea for this meeting to get people connected through different activities. Yeah. And we couldn't have thought of that, but we it happened and it was so interesting. It's a perfect example. So before we run out of time, let's try to connect these two words that we've connected into this word we made up, synergicity. So the first part, of course, is synergy. Just uh, Synergy is a mutually advantageous conjunction where the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. That's a marriage where you compensate for each other's weaknesses. That's a business relationship where you brainstorm together and come up with dynamic ideas. And it is a dynamic state in which combined action is favored over the sum of individual component actions. It's behavior of whole systems where things work together. There's synergy between you and other people. There's synergy between a husband and wife. There's synergy between your brain, your body, and your spirit. That's a kind of synergy. There's synergy between you and a higher power. That's the first part of the word. And then the synchronicity part of synergicity. Let's start with our own definitions derived from dictionaries and combine it to fully illustrate the concept. So if you look up synergicity or synchronicity, this other word we're combining with, with synergy, you'll find that synchronicity means the experience of two or more events that occur in a meaningful manner, but which are causally unrelated. They don't seem to go together, but they happen in a way that combines. In order to be synch synchronous, the events must be related to one another conceptually, and the chance that they would occur together by random must be very small. Synchronicities are patterns that repeat in time. They're connections that has to happen, that has to keep all of us together. And it, you know what it really does? Oh, here And here's Carl Jung, who I mentioned earlier, who I think coined the word. Synchronicity is the coming together of inner and outer events in a way that cannot be explained by cause and effect, but that is meaningful to the observer. So I think you get the idea. We're, we're trying to summarize a whole bunch from the, our book, The Happiness Paradigm, The Happiness Paradox. But the best way to understand this whole new concept of synergicity is to understand what it's the opposite of. We are not independent. We are interdependent and we are dependent on God. And may I remind you in parting that this is your book. You, that came out of your mind and I'm the recipient of being the learner. And I thank you for that because it's really meant a lot. But that me. illustrates the very point, Linda. That would be independent if I said that. But I know I'm interdependent on you. <laughs> and I know we've talked about these things for 50 years. And so the fact that I happen to hold the pen and write them doesn't mean it's mine. It, it means it's ours it because just, we're interdependent. It's just because I was rubbing your shoulders while you were writing, right? <laughs> anyway, uh, thank, you. Help. thank you. Thank you for joining us. And we hope you'll come in next time on Ours on the Road. See you next time. We'll see you in a week. Bye.